0: So I don't know about you, but as I get older, I'm finding out that relationships are not the rom-coms of the 90s I was promised they would be. There's no chance meet-cutes that end with a passionate kiss at the top of the Empire State Building. But what is more likely is that I will run into my ex with his bouncy new girlfriend in head-to-toe Lululemon while I am wearing last night's mascara and my favorite Target sweats from 2002 that I am clinging to like a security blanket. I think that failure is a common thread in relationships of any kind. It can often feel like something is off even when you're in the middle of one. So that's why we're here today. We're gonna to talk about relationships, failures, and what it means to learn from these mistakes that as humans we all make. So, welcome to the relationship episode. Today we are going to be talking about relationships with a dear friend of mine, Megan Williams. I met Megan in 1992 when I lived in Bedford, Texas, and we reunited through mutual friends a few years ago. Megan is a meditation teacher, a yoga instructor, an aspiring harpist, a corporate America survivor, and a longtime professional writer. She resides in one of my very favorite cities, Austin, Texas. Uh, most importantly, she is a magical, thoughtful, and just lovely human being. I am honored to call my friend over the years. Uh, she and I have shared many of the same experiences, horror stories, hilarity, and definitely failures, uh, in our relationships. So, Megan. Welcome to Free Failing. Thanks for talking to me today.
1: Thank you. Oh my gosh. Can I just like take you around with me everywhere I go and have you introduce (laughs) me when I walk into anywhere? Just like a narrator for your whole, your whole world. Yeah. Well, and it's, it was funny because my mom got surgery not too long ago. We were actually in the surgery center and the doctor got there and they announced it over the PA or Dr. Hayes just arrived. So she came over to us. So we were genuinely just curious. What does it feel like to be announced like that? Right.
0: (laughs) Right. Like everywhere. So I guess say, let's start with like, if you had to summarize your first big relationship right? to like how you got here, anything pertinent in between or to whatever degree you're comfortable talking about, like, what would that look like? In a, you know, in summary,
1: <laughs> so I actually have <laughs> perfect answer for this. This, came me, <laughs> this came to me like, I don't know, maybe, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago. And I was sitting there and I was talking to my cousin, and we were talking about relationships and I had just got through one of my major doozies. And I just, when she was talking to me, my mind just started going off on its own little tangent. And it just created this montage of me in relationship history. And all it was, it was me from like beginning of relationship to present in all these different decades, wearing all these different clothes, in all these spaces (laughs) of time, and every single time I was just going, what? Right. Because I get into it, and I feel like I have it all figured out. I feel like I do all the right things. I feel like I show up. Well, I felt like I show up. I can look back now on my younger self and say I wasn't showing up the best way I could. Right. But in all those times, I thought I did. And some of the ridiculousness that ensued as a result of me giving what I thought was my best just constantly made me feel like I was getting pumped or something.
0: <laughs> Such a good way to describe it. So my default tends to just be long-term relationships, as I've learned. So I was like 16 to 21, 22 to 27, and then short break, and then like 32 to however old I am now, which is 44. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why that became my default. I'm sure there's some like childhood slash attachment style slash codependency, Mm -hmm. like that could all be discussed probably on another episode. But um, for whatever reason, that's just the way that it worked. And like, I think the thing you and I like mainly differ about, I don't know how much (laughs) like dating, like casual dating you've done, but I don't really have any. I can count on like one hand, the number of like actual, just like random dates, Mm -hmm. like matched or whatever that I've been on. But I agree with you about the like, kind of like what happened, uh, except just like you said, now being older,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's hard to be in that space because it's very obvious what happened because I'm mostly a different, like a pretty different, my patterns are a lot different in relationships now, obviously, than they were when I was 25. Yeah. So
1: well, and I also think, too, that the more... Self awareness you gain through all the work that you do and whatever your modality is with therapy or reading or podcasts or talking to other individuals, it becomes evident that you are making these subconscious choices for the people that you're picking based on challenges that you're trying to work through from your own issues in your own formative years, right? I mean, I can definitely say that a lot of the people that I chose in my past were people that I would not have chosen now, knowing the natural tendencies that I lean into as a result of some of the maladaptive behaviors that I derived from my formative upbringing.
0: Right. Like, I didn't exactly know how vulnerable I was going to get with my relationship conversations. But in the three that I mentioned, The middle one was like highly abusive Mm -hmm. and anyone who's done any reading or known anyone or read or whatever, it's always the same question. Like, Oh, why did you stay? You know? Yeah. And it's it's like you said, I didn't have that self-awareness yet or like the knowledge that I was staying in something that I thought I deserved. Like I just thought that's what my familiar. Right. And the thing about like, If you're treated badly or not even treated badly, let's just say that there's some like emotional neglect maybe in your home or one of the parents is missing, as was in my case, and you don't get that, then you look almost for that same level of neglect or chaos in your, especially during like formative years, right? I was 22 when I met that partner and like even the negative attention and the negative reinforcement, while terrible, was filling some kind of void though. So um a lot a lot of my future therapy would be a result of that relationship because nobody asked why did you stay more than me. Once I got out of it it was like oh my god like holy like wow you know like that wasn't just a couple of bad arguments where people got angry that was like I was like a really Actual abusive relationship, so I that was probably my biggest learned experience as far as, you know getting into self worth and stuff like that, and like what you bring from your childhood and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I relate to that. I feel like one of my primary caregivers, my father, had a certain kind of. Lots of very colorful dysfunctions, I'll just say. And so there tended to be this pattern in my relationship history that I would be drawn to these same types of individuals. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I can honestly say, looking back on all of these relationships that I'm thinking about, I don't remember ever once feeling safe or secure or loved or valued or even seen. Right, on a yeah, basic level, even seen, but that was right. normal for me because that's what I was used to growing up from the men in my life. Right, right, the man, right, in my life. Right, right, right. It was just such a vicious cycle, you know. I pick these people that were going to basically revictimize me because I was choosing to revictimize myself, and then I get revictimized and not understand. How it happened, how it turned out this way. Right. Which right. now looking back on it, I mean there's there's so many conversations that I would have with my younger self about this when <gasps> yeah, Me too. When I was kind of flying blind, you know, and I just had no idea what I was doing.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting too, like I think because of what you said, like in my case, it, it was absence, but I did have step parents. So there was like sometimes a caregiver, you know, and sometimes not. And if I could go back and tell, I love, I love this whole narrative about talking to your younger self so much, especially lately and getting into like reparenting and stuff. It's like, Hey, you don't have to have a partner. Yeah. Like you don't have to have a partner. You can just be with your roommates or your friends or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's like some attachment wound. I'm not entirely as familiar with the attachment styles I know as you are, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the need, my need to be in relationship to relationship to relationship Mm -hmm. with very short breaks in between has to do with just this universal for me fear of just like what's going to happen if I'm by myself like am I just going to be terrified and lonely and who's going to kill spiders and what about I'm only going to have one income or whatever it is (laughs) like you know like that is the
1: paramount question in my mind (laughs) (laughs) Um...
0: just all the things that come from even in a bad partnership someone else can kill a spider you know what I mean
1: well, um, more so than that, I think that there's this collective need in our consciousness for us to be externally validated. Right. There is oh, nothing God. in our upbringing. There is nothing in our school system. There is nothing in society in general that teaches us how to be self regulated. Right. That's something you learn accidentally through pain and hardship in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally.
0: I love that. I just heard something on like a parenting podcast or something, which I don't have kids, but I listen to because I'm I'm like reparenting right myself. So a lot of the advice that my friends are using for their nine year olds applies to me right now as a middle aged adult. But I heard something, and it was like, consider instead of telling your child, "Hey, I'm really proud of you," consider saying, "Hey, like." you worked really hard on that. You should be really proud of yourself. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Right. Because internal validation, right? Like I'm doing it because I want to feel, I want to be proud. That's enough just because I feel proud of it. That's enough. I don't need anybody else to, of course you like want your parents and all that stuff. But I thought that was a really interesting, like you said, like a foundation that just doesn't really exist in. And it doesn't.
1: I mean, we have an entire school system that gives you knowledge of everything but the knower. And that to me is the most asinine thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. I mean, to have a system where we send our children, the most beloved things in our lives, to get brainwashed into this idea that their self regulation is dependent upon external validation. Right. It's
0: crazy. Like the gold star system, or the, I mean, I don't know how school works now because I haven't been in, obviously, our friends all have kids. So we hear like kind of how it works. I think it's mostly the same.
1: I think so. Um, yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah, and like I will say in some of the parenting podcasts or readings or whatever, sports is like supposed to be a really good like self-validating thing because you're like a active participant in this group success. Yeah. Right? Like without you the whole unit doesn't work as cohesively. And I think that for kids, that's really validating. That's just that's my- great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that that helps like build confidence too, like with your teammates. And then, you- and it also teaches you about failure, right? Like, yeah. it's like both ends of the spectrum. Like, hey, you don't always win. Yeah. It feels bad. It's okay yeah. that it feels bad.
1: It's okay. Yeah. It's okay that it feels bad. Exactly.
0: So bad. Yeah. So,
1: well, and I also think too, and this is where I commend our girlfriends so much for their, <laughs> their, their children, is there's all this awareness now around mental health, which was just right. not there right. when we were younger at all, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. I, if I had a voice for my anxiety when I was younger, I feel like things would have been so different for me because... Just constantly being an anxious child and always feeling that internal dysregulation and not having any way to express it, all you're left to do is internalize it. Right. And you know, nowadays, like our girlfriends, just being able to say I have FOMO, like that's such a deal you know, just name it. What is it? Give it a vote. Right. I just, I right. feel so great that parents these day and age are putting this emphasis on mental health because it is so important.
0: It is. I totally agree. I was a very sensitive child. I'm a very sensitive adult. I was a very sensitive adolescent. That's kind of the theme of my personality. And there's a lot of pros and cons there, right? It comes with, you know, you feel all the lows extra bad, but you're like, Oh my God, I'm crying at this sunset, whatever. Yeah. And so, um, works
1: for you and it works against you.
0: Exactly. Growing up, like I didn't know that that was why I started kind of acting out or whatever. And it was just because I had all of this angst. And I mean, there were other reasons too. A lot of my needs, like, were not being met, like, mostly emotionally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did have a lot of like sensitivities that were coming out as just like giant big massive feelings that my caregiver was like whoa like i i'm the middle child so like this is not how the first one was what's going on you know like <laughs> she was quiet and stayed in her room for 10 years what's happening so but yeah i do think that that all shows up in relationships and as patterns and that's like i'm really trying hard with like Okay, you know, I was just in this very long relationship as I am currently in the middle of it probably dissolving. It feels a little weird to like put a concrete yes or no on it just because it has been a 12 year situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there was, there was all the therapy and individual and couples and trying and not trying and trying again. And it brought up a lot and one of the things that i kept going back to that i have to tell you like i still kind of go back to is like well this is such a normal person i don't know if you've ever had this thought before yeah. but like oh my gosh like he has like all is so smart and went to college and like kind of all of maybe the things that I feel I'm deficient in, like I sort of admire that he has. I don't really know if that's healthy or not. Saying it out loud doesn't sound real healthy. But like what happened is I had a lot of like respect, have a lot of respect for him and that made and is making dissolving the relationship very hard because if you're looking at a side by side and somebody who came from the kind of upbringing that I came from and his was like no picnic either, but more stable, right? It's hard not to interject my own patterns as like the fault, right? Like the problem. Sure. But I think everybody does that. Even maybe he does that. Who knows? I mean, well,
1: I mean, um, it's kind of this, I almost feel like it's this subconscious thing that we do, again, based on this whole need for external completion, right? I mean, society kind of puts this whole idea around relationships as this very rom-com, you complete me together, we are whole, right? And so I think Based on that being in our just sort of you know, psychological DNA, we look at where we fall short in ourselves and we find someone to sort of fill in those missing puzzle pieces. Right. And so when that person mirrors back to us, that reflection together, it feels whole to us. Like, oh, I didn't do this, but they did this. I'm deficient in this way, but they have it. And together we are a whole person. Versus actually just you know, creating that wholeness inside us from the inside out. And so then when you dissolve something like that, you're losing all these pieces of yourself that with this person seemed like they were exactly the way they were supposed to be. You know, oh, well, we went to college. We did this. We did this. And now without that person, you're back to those voids that you perceive in your own reflection it's just me and my
0: own negative self-talk over here now there's no yeah, yeah yeah totally i always really at first i was like in like in the very beginning like when we first started dating i was like are we maybe too different like i'm very like oh my God, stop the car. There's a rainbow, you know, like very, just like, (laughs) you know.
1: And I love that about you, by the way.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And I mean, he did too, you know, even when he was like, what is there? Oh my God, you scared the crap out of me, whatever it is, you know, like thought we were getting in an accident, whatever. But so I used to think that there was a lot of like pros to the, let's call it the opposites attract for lack of a better. Yeah. And then we went to therapy one time and I remember telling the therapist, like, I have like X, Y, Z traits and and he doesn't. And I'm concerned that without those, it's not going to work out. And this is the one of my favorite things that I ever got from therapy. But he said, you're not dating yourself. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't work if you were. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know, I mean, I know, but I always took that with me. That was always really important to me to remember, like, because that's when expectations start getting, like, as they say, expectation is the root of all disappointment. And so if your expectation is to be loved the way that you love or, give gifts or surprises or plan things or whatever the thing may be that you do that you think you do really well yeah. and you expect in return, it's not gonna work out that way.
1: Right. Which is hard because that's your frame of reference, you know? Right. It's hard And rom coms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean I feel like that's that is One of the biggest challenges in relationship is learning how to reframe their behavior just because it's not corresponding with how you would do it, you know? Right. You and I are a lot of the same in the sense that we're very attentive. We ask questions, we remember things, and when our partner doesn't do that, I think it naturally just feels disappointing because that is your natural frame of reference. And there's an element of you love the way that you love them. Right. You know, it's right. There's some internal satisfaction and gratitude that comes from being able to love to that capacity. But then it creates this desire to have it reciprocated. It does. And I think that's
0: natural, too. And, you know, that's, What every relationship book and therapist will tell you is if you want a healthy relationship, make sure that you can accept the person entirely the way that they are right now. Not, oh, if X just tweaked a little bit, Y would be so much better. There's room for growth for everyone, but everyone has to want their own growth. Right. 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 So if the person you're with right now is like, well, this is just the way I am. I'm just going to be like this for the next 30 years. Like, okay, well, that probably indicates like a lack of desire to grow and be curious about themselves. And that could be a red flag if you're somebody who's extremely curious about yourself and your patterns and trying to make more self-aware decisions moving forward. So
1: And now don't you think it would just be so great if everybody could just take their ego out of it, you know, and you find, oh my gosh, and you come together and you're like, okay, what's your definition of love and happiness? Okay, here's mine. So here's where we sort of don't connect. How can we work on this to make this maximum enjoyment for both of us? Yes. Versus getting so prideful and getting so, um, you know, personalizing everything and seeing it as, you know, someone is telling you there's something wrong with you or it's a fault in some way. Right. Because isn't that how it's
0: often heard? I have always like, and that's where defensiveness comes in. And then people just start shutting down in the conversation. Once you're defensive, you can't. And that's like, if the ego was removed, there would be no defensiveness because it would just be heard. And yes, my have had that same conversation on both sides of the spectrum. And I'm sure you have as well with partners who you are saying, here are my needs.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Here are my needs. Here they are. I'm going to try to ask for them in the most like gentle, eloquent way I know how. Uh-huh. And here they are. And the response is oh, so you're disappointed in me or I'm not good enough or yeah, always. you're attacking me or whatever the things are. And it's a struggle. It it's is a struggle. And
1: I think it's just this, it's on the, it, there's so much of it that we don't have a lot of control over unless we have the level of awareness that allows us to, you know, because we always try to resolve our formative issues in our romantic partnerships. That's just kind of how it works. And so there are so many things about being in romantic partnership that Push you back into that small self.
0: Oh my gosh. Right? right.
1: That small self does not have discernment. Like that small self, when it's activated, cannot depersonalize. It's absolutely right. no. Possible. It um, is. And so there's just, there's so much about that, that becomes tricky when you're trying to communicate your needs with someone, you know, who's in small defensive self it's impossible for them to hear anything other than I'm not doing this right. There's something wrong with me. I'm not worthy. Right. Of left. That's right. You know?
0: Yeah. It's like the old, not like an old saying, but I hear it a lot. It's like, if you're having the same style of argument over and over, but it's about like kitchen counters yeah, or ever really about socks <laughs> on the floor or whatever it is, that's not really what your argument is about. Right. It's about some unresolved, something deeper that needs to be worked yeah. through and that's only something that i'm really learning recently cuz i didn't know that i didn't know that it, cohabitating with somebody would mean so much compromise and as somebody who is very emotionally or mentally affected by the space around them like how is my space laid out how does it look mm-hmm. it was a hard adjustment to cohabitate with somebody who doesn't really have that same. I think this is a very common thing, especially in like heteronormative relationships because men tend to be messier. Women tend to be tidier. It's just kind of the way I, you know, not to generalize, but I think that's pretty common. That was, it was a surprise for me how challenging that was for us to compromise on for me to accept for him to accept, et cetera. And as we got further into our relationship, of course, it started to become, well, we don't really want this to be something that like brings down the house. So let's just, how can we just be happy? And maybe there's socks on the floor sometimes, you know?
1: It's interesting that you bring that up. I feel like, so, you know, I've had one very long-term relationship that I very much consider a marriage, even though we did not right. officially get married for you know, my own personal reasons. My dad was married seven times and I just have a little bit of a phobia around marriage, right. but right. we actually were able to work that out. Cause I mean, I'm that same way. Like I, my space is a very strong indicator. My outer space is a very strong indicator of my inner space. And right, so that's a good way in speak. a space that is cluttered and that's discombobulated, it'll make me feel cluttered and discombobulated. And he did not have any problem with clutter or discombobulation whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just had our own separate spaces. I had my room where I could have it exactly the way that I wanted it and he had his room where he could have it exactly the way he wanted it and we'd just sleep over at his room and my room, you know? (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. But we kept it. You know, each one of us had our sacred space. Because we were meditation teachers, we were running a center, so we were on top of each other all the time. All the time, we ran a business together, we lived together, you know, everything. And so we needed to each have spaces where we could go to in order for us to, you know, maintain our own individuality and our own sanity. Oh my gosh! Right. And I've so we created a space together, a common space together, but we each had a room that was just ours. I think that's a really good compromise. Like if you have the space and you're
0: fortunate enough to have a space for cohabitation, and then also like separate areas. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um. So talking about how we tend to be our own worst enemies when it comes to our perception as our reality, right? A lot of times what we hold as truth, we're actually personalizing someone else's experience and we're projecting or something like this, or we're not allowing things to be as they were because they weren't how we wanted them to be. And coming from our formative year upsets and trying to work through that, Like I said, one of my challenges is marriage. Like I, I actually do genuinely have this desire to get married, but I'm terrified of it because my dad was married seven times. I saw all the craziness that ensued with all that. And so even when my partner and I were together seven years and doing all these things, you know, running a business, living together, I wore a ring, everything. Oh, wow. I still did not look at it as a marriage until just the other night when I was teaching. And someone asked me about the center that I ran in Dallas. And I said, Oh, yeah, well, my husband at the time, and I blah, blah. And it was like this, just this internal affirmation and freedom that came around it. Like, yes, it's true. I because I have this story running in my head. Like, Oh, I've never been married. There's something wrong with me, and blah blah. Well, just because right. I haven't been married in the traditional manner, that was still very much a marriage to absolutely, me. and it felt so hundred loud. I was like, yeah, oh, good for me for giving that voice and balance.
0: Absolutely, a piece of paper does not make a marriage. Yeah. That is of of well, one thing I can assure you, as it's somebody who's marriage. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I. I don't think you're wrong about that. I mean, <laughs> my partner and I waited a really long time to get married. Um, I had a, a lot of concerns around mostly divorce, like, because in my head, I was like, well, if you get married, then you get divorced. And, get and divorced. I don't want to be divorced. It ends really. I don't, don't want to be divorced. Yeah. 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 But anyway, we did. And then, yeah, very quickly got divorced. In California, there's a six month cooling off period. So if you file for divorce in California, the will the, it's the courts have decided that so many people get back together that they will not file the paperwork until six months have gone by. Not like that in Oregon, where we lived at the time. So we di- we filed. And then like three weeks later, they were like, okay, here you go. And we were kind of reeling a little bit still like, I guess we're really doing this because we just signed off on it. And then it, it just kind of became this like robotic thing that had happened. And then as you know, there was a lot of back and forth and then COVID and stuff like that afterwards. So I fully don't sign on to society's notion that you need to. And honestly, with social media at this point, I think a lot of people have marriages for a lot of the wrong reasons. They have them for show and look how great my life is. And look how beautiful my fame like, I don't,
1: idealistic and
0: normal. <laughs> totally, totally. I that's a whole social media is a whole episode for me because it's just an outward projection of what you want. Right. You're curating what you want other people to see. And I don't think a wedding is any different. So I agree
1: in a lot
0: of ways, yeah. Tell me a funny slash horror story of a date or boyfriend that you have.
1: This is my oh my God, I must be getting pumped moment. I mean, this is probably my (laughs) biggest one, because I was just, I wish I could have seen my face. This was a relationship that I had before I went off for my meditation training. So I was already in a space where I had gotten enough self awareness that I wasn't completely going off the deep end with my self sabotaging behaviors anymore. And so my mom and I had gone out to dinner one night and this guy who worked at the restaurant, he was the manager, the maitre d' or whenever he comes over and starts talking to us. And, And every time we go in, he's like bringing us to the front table and talking to us. And I guess he you know, thought I was cute or attractive or whatever. And so for sure, you have to give your number when you sign in so they can text you and tell you that your stable is pretty. So he called me several weeks later and asked me out. I went out with him on the first date. This is such a big red flag that I did not get this whole (laughs) love bombing thing, right? (laughs) And he tells me, how he wants to get married to me. He's building a house and he wants me to move in with him. He wants us to have a child together. Like first date. Out. First date. He's already thought about all of this. And where did you our, guys go on the first date? Huh? Where did you guys go on this date? We went out to the shops of legacy and went out to like a restaurant out there and we were just okay. calling me around afterwards. And he just okay. pulled this on me. And my very overly rom com saturated (laughs) brain was like, oh, yes, this is exactly the way, this is it, this is how it happened. And so I start going through with this, and a couple months later, we were living together. I'm not even
0: kidding. I'm not, I did not think that's where this
1: story was going.
0: We were living
1: together. My mom, okay. was like, oh, yeah, he's the one, blah, blah. And I mean, anyways, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. But- Wait, let me,
0: can I interrupt you really quick? Was he really building a house? Yeah. like He really you know?
1: was building a house. He really yeah. was genu- legit building a house. And I moved into it with him and I was about to go off to training. So I was going to be gone for an extended amount of time. So this this whole thing only lasted about maybe eight months total or something like that. I think something like that. But we moved in together and then all of a sudden, immediately, all these things just started happening that were awful because we didn't even know each other. I mean, all these things. Like, I can't tell you. He snored. Who the fuck? and she. I could not. I would be on the top. There was a three-story house. I would be on the top floor, and I could hear him snoring from the bottom floor. It was awful. So my nervous system's super hypersensitive, so I can't sleep with that. And so I'd have to get up and go get in another bed at night to be able to sleep. And then he would get so upset and... All this stuff. So, three months into just this hell that we created for ourselves, I fall and break my fibula. I was coming out of a yoga class and I fell down the stairs and broke my fibula. So, in a cast, my leg is casted and I can't walk. You know, like I'm crawling up the stairs, literally crawling up the stairs. I'm on a knee scooter doing all the things. We go out to eat the first night on the knee scooter. He's like walking three to five feet, like in front of me. He won't even be seen with me with the knee scooter because he's so embarrassed. I'm not even kidding. I am not kidding. And so then he so much. So my mom comes over one night and he picks me up and carries me up the stairs, right? Like in this whole romantic gesture. The next night when she's not there, I go to crawl up the stairs. Not only does he not carry me, he st- he stands. He'll step one step up and just look at me and wait for me to crawl up. And then he'll step another step and look at me and wait for me to crawl.
0: Oh, up. my gosh.
1: Oh, my God. And so finally, we get to the point where we have this discussion about what's going on. I'm sure. At which point I'm still in a cast, mind you. So I can't walk. And he breaks up with me for the following reasons. Are you ready for
0: this? I don't think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One, he is wildly over the fact that he has to clean up after me every night when I'm cooking dinner because I'm spilling water all over the floor. I'm cooking on a knee scooter. Do you know how hard it is to not know anything? When oh my you're God. A knee scooter? That is reason number one. Reason number two is I had a cat living with me that my cat, Mela, and he was very OCD. He walks me through this whole montage that's going on in his head. He's like, I'm just, this is something I just can't handle anymore. He's like, your cat goes to the bathroom in the litter box and then she scratches the litter box. And then she walks on the carpet up the stairs and in the bedrooms, you're crawling on the carpet. He's like, you're literally crawling on feces. And then you come get in bed with me and I just can't handle it. Number three, which is in my opinion, just, The golden nugget kicker. Mm -hmm. He tells me he thinks I have a personality disorder. (laughs) I ask him, okay, so why do you think I have a personality disorder? So at this point, I'm working at the bank and I'm in management. Uh So I have a fairly stressful job. And so I'm working from home because I can't walk. And he right. is working in the restaurant. So he works at night. So he's home during the day. So he's there when I'm working. And he was like, well, you know, when you're around the house and you're not working, you're just this very like childlike rainbows and unicorns, you know, happy and this, that, and he's like, and then when you go to work, you're just so serious. And you're so like professional and, you know, you make people do this, that, and the other. And he's like, you're just two totally different people. And he was like- That's how it works. I know. I know. And he's like, I'm just like this all the time. He's like, I think that you have a problem. I was like, how the hell do you expect me to run a department on rainbows and unicorns? Can you imagine?
0: (laughs) Wow. Yes. I wasn't ready for that last one. Yes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine- It's okay. We'll waive all your overdraft fees. Yes, that's fine. I don't need to see your ID. No, it's okay. That's fine. You don't need to sign for anything. Have a great day. I
1: mean, really? Like, wow. Wow. And so we broke up and we never talked again.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: I moved myself out of the house with a broken leg.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) On an e-scooter,
1: crawling, doing all the things.
0: Wow, Megan. I did not expect that. You're right. That was way better than than the other story.
1: I've grown leaps and bounds since then. Clearly. (laughs) I would never find myself in that situation, thankfully. Of course. In my life. (laughs) That was
0: definitely a rom-coms do exist moment. Yes. A hundred
1: percent. A desperate rom-coms. They must exist. (laughs) I'm already 29. They have to exist. Were you 29? <laughs> Actually, no. I guess I was. How old was I? I guess I was 32. I see. Yeah. I
0: have one. It's not anywhere near that good, but it's a, it was a masterclass in expectations, and it provided me years of bartending humor. I still have like friends that will reference it to this day you may or may not have heard it before I like on and off kind of dated this guy dated is a strong word it was mostly we just it's hard to explain we just it was kind of like a friends with benefits thing but it kind of got emotional and there was some room there for like what's gonna happen is it gonna get serious but again being the like even now communication is such like a struggle in my adult relationship. So I was 27. So back then it was just like non-existent. Plus I had just got out of the abusive relationship I mentioned earlier. So I was in the height of my self-destructive phase, like just every weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Another like normal. That was like kind of my thing with him. Seems really normal. Has a normal job. Like whatever. I don't know. This will
1: make me normal.
0: (laughs) We drive around a lot. We don't really go on like dates, which is weird. But I'm, again, not great for my self-worth, which is already in the toilet. But I'm like, this guy probably doesn't want to be seen with me. I don't want to be seen with me either. I'm a disaster. You know, like I would just drive around and have sex with me too. That's fine. So that's what we do. (laughs) The majority of our... It's like the majority of our, but we like, we talk a lot and we like each other and we have like
1: actual conversations like and stuff like that. Date? Are you like, do you want to roll the windows out tonight?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sunroof or no sunroof? What do you think? <laughs> Let's roll the dice. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we both had places. It was just, I don't know. <clears throat> anyway. So this one night we go up to like this viewpoint and um, we're at this viewpoint and it's like really pretty. So we're like looking and we're kind of just like walking around by ourselves, like, you know, looking around or whatever. And he's like a foot taller than me. That matters. Oh, and it's like summer. So I'm wearing like a hoodie, shorts and flip flops. So that also matters to the story. And so nothing's really happened. We're not like physical or anything. We're just kind of up there. It's windy. And all of a sudden we like find ourselves kind of like facing each other, you know, and now my heart rate is like, You know, one ninety or whatever, because again, expectations. What's going to happen? Like, what are we at? Is it going to be exclusive? Like, are is he like? Are we going to like drop the L bomb? Like, what's happening? I don't know. You know. And so he's like, you know, by default, kind of looking down at me because I'm five six, and so. I am looking up and he's kind of like earnestly looking at me, you know? And in my mind, a whole script is happening. I'm like, it is going down, ladies and gentlemen. Like, bring me the oxytocin. Here it comes. Hit me hard. You know, when you just have that feeling like this is the moment. This is it. This is it. So I'm looking up and he's looking down. He's like, you know, long pause. You know, Jenny, for such a small girl... You have really big feet.
1: <laughs> no,
0: did he it's not read the
1: script? Oh,
0: no, it's God. true. It's true. <laughs> I like blacked out a little bit. I think. I again, it's just like a masterclass in expectation. Like I had an entire narrative. Rom-coms, blame rom-coms. Blame
1: rom-coms. Yeah, the
0: environment was perfect. It was balmy. It was breezy. Like, come on, you couldn't have put us. We were. Block the lighting you know what I mean like
1: say you have big boobs so that he's initiated some sort of you know I was, and then for some reason I was
0: like really embarrassed Be, not like he knew my story that was going on up there but I did and I was like oh my god you've really misjudged this quite badly <laughs> and uh I don't know I like blabbered something out about yeah like big feet big shoulders I got a weirdly like, proportioned body. I don't know. Please let me just like dig a grave right here and lay in it and die. Oh, my God. With my big feet sticking. With my big feet. <laughs> and to the, I swear, hand to God, to this day, my friends will be like just some kind of foot joke every now and then. For the record, they're a little big. I'm an eight and a half. But in, my, in high school, my nickname was Pebbles because I had, quote unquote, Flintstone feet, which I do. Really? They're like very square toes and then kind of wide <laughs> and, uh, and then red hair. So that, that actually was not the first time I had heard, oh. but it was the first time I had heard it in what I would call an, a potentially intimate setting.
1: <laughs> okay. So it's actually a thing because in my head, I was thinking, cause you also have big boobs. So in my head I was thinking, he's actually thinking boobs, and he's like, Don't say boobs, don't say boobs. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, feet. <laughs> no, I definitely do.
0: I mean, they're I don't know. I was wearing flip flops, it may be from way up. Who knows? No idea. But it brought that story brought me so much joy because I bartended for so long. Everyone always loved it. I love that story. But but that's always one that I just adore because fantastic. yeah it was a real it was a real uh let's stay present lesson <laughs> like let's stay here and make sure we know where this is going that's <laughs> manageable exactly exactly all right well i've taken so much of your time you've been so gracious thank you so much it was an absolute delight to talk to you oh this was so fun <laughs> yeah and uh let's see how should i close it i haven't really figured this out yet (laughs) signing off be kind to yourself be kind to others (laughs) don't be afraid to fail (laughs) we'll see you next time